But does it speak about anything where a husband or a wife physically abuses their spouse? Is there any Scripture in the Bible whatsoever? And again, there's nothing that is like, thou shalt not hit your husband. Thou shalt not push your wife down. Thou shalt not verbally abuse. But there are principal verses in Scripture that talks about the conduct of, of, of a mistreatment of your spouse. Psalms, one, uh, Psalms 11. And I'll probably go too fast for you to turn, but you might just want to jot these down. And these are just four or five verses within dozens and dozens of Scripture that you can look into on this subject matter of abuse. But, but Psalms 11.5, it says, The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Again, you pastors say, oh, it's out of context. There's principle verses here. These are principles. And the one thought I got out of that verse was this, the Lord hates violence. Is it not violence to punch your spouse? Is it not violence to verbally abuse someone that you covenanted under the, under, under the eyes of God to get married with? This is why I don't marry every person that asks me to marry them. Everybody listen to me for a moment. I don't marry everybody. I, I, I have one, one rule at the top of the list. I will only marry people within our church. Only. I get calls all the time for me to marry people. Oh, do you do weddings? I said, well, I do weddings, but only people that are in membership of our church. Why do you do it that way, they ask me oftentimes. I said, because I know them, and I don't know other people. I know their spiritual walk or their lack of a spiritual walk. I know, I will know if they're saved or not. Do you understand? So, so, I just don't marry everybody. Why? Because marriage is a covenant with God. It's an agreement with the Lord. It is special. Do you know, it is the first covenant, I believe, that is in the Word of God. Before the law of Moses, before the Abrahamic covenant, before any of that stuff, God brought Adam and Eve together and made them husband and wife where they would leave and cleave. And, it, it's all, and I told you before, it strikes me funny a little bit, that God told Adam to leave and cleave when he actually had nothing to leave from. Think about it. It is teaching us the principle and the truth of what marriage is. Marriage is turning your back on everything outside of that spouse and becoming a one person with that individual. One in mind, one in soul, one in spirit, one in purpose, one in thought, one in everything. Yet, we're different personalities, don't we? aren't we? Mindy and Jeff, very, very different personalities. Um, um, Mindy can eat pizza seven days a week and not gain an ounce. She can. Jeff looks at Mindy eating pizza seven days a week seven, and gains seven stones. You know, I mean, they're just different people. So you need to understand the reason I don't marry everybody is because marriage is something special. And it is something 
that God uses to, to make, paint, paint a picture of redemption and salvation and the work that he's done for man. So Psalms again, 11.5. God, uh, uh, the Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked in him that loves violence, his soul hates. Colossians 3.19. Guys, this is a verse we ought to memorize, highlight, print out, and put up in our homes if we're married. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I'm sorry, but you cannot love your spouse, you love your wife when you're hitting her. And you can't love your spouse when you're abusing her verbally. And you cannot love your spouse when you are doing anything that hurts her. Do you know what? Just look at me, everybody. I have hurt my wife before. I have. Never physically. Never. I've never raised my hand to her. I've never done anything. But I've hurt her. I've said something wrong at times. I, I've said things out of anger. I've been married nearly 25 years, and I'm a human man, and I have a sinful nature, right? And we're not perfect, and we sin. And I have sinned against her before. And I've hurt her with things I've said. And I'll be honest with you, I cannot stand the look on her face when I have hurt her. Jeff, you know what I'm talking about. Not, well, that didn't sound right, did it? <laughs> you, you know, but you understand. And, and, and because of that, we don't want to hurt them. Times we do. Times we say the wrong thing. But the Bible says, husband, love your wife. Look at one, don't turn there, but write down in your notes 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And look to see what love is. It's patient and kind. It doesn't expect uh, perfection. And, it, 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 and it's forgiving and, and, and etc. And I can't remember all that it says, but... 1 Corinthians 13. Now, another verse I want to give to you. 1, 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, likewise, husbands. And, and why are you picking on husbands? Well, just because that's typically where it stands. But it also, abuse comes the other way. It's, it's true. But I'm just giving you these principal verses. Likewise, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto your wife. Why? As unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Do you see some beauty in that verse? Number one, honor your wife. But number two, why? She's the weaker vessel. But can I tell you something? Lisa ain't weak. We work out. We work out three, four days a week. She is not weak. We have to do exercises with weights. We lift them. One exercise is this, this, and then you do your pinkies this way. Well, the first rep I get, yeah, I'm a man. I'm doing this. By number four, I'm like, 
I'm barely lifting. I look over there in the corner of my eye. Lisa's going, huh, 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 making noise. that she's still rolling with the reps. And after I said, I don't like you. How can you do that? We're over there, and we're running. And I go, oh, my knee. And she's, she's just running away. I work out three days a week. She works out about five. Two days a week, she runs on the treadmill. And if you're on Facebook, you know. You see her. She's putting it on Facebook. I can't run. I worked on the treadmill one time, Andrew. You know what? I, I walked it. And I said, oh, this is enough. I just can't do it. Stamina, she kills me. My neighbor, Chris, who, who we've been working on so much to get to come to church and get to know Christ, he came by our house Friday night and knocked on the door. And I was walking out, and Lisa had just put dinner on the table for the kids. And, and Chris said, look, I won't keep you long, but he said, man, I've been your neighbor for years. And he says, you know, I'm a professional um, uh, personal trainer. He trains security, security personnel for some of the Arab princes that come over here. The guy is 43 or something, and his arms here are as big as my head almost. He's huge. He's sickly huge. And he said, listen, I just, I've been meaning to come by. He goes, I know you guys work out and train. He says, I can see the change in both of you and, and, and the, the health that you have. He said, I want to be your personal trainer. I want to offer my services to you and, and to train you regularly each week free of charge. I don't want anything from, from you. I'm your neighbor. And the first thing my head said is, no way. <laughs> he, he looked at me, he says, call Lisa out here. I said, I called her out, and, and, and Chris told her, and her, her eyes go, she said, oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking, death, death, death. Because <laughs> I know what's coming. But the thing is, the Bible says a weaker vessel. It doesn't mean that she's a lesser person. Positionally, God has put the man as the, as the godly leader of the home and the wife as the submissive leader of the home. There's no, there's no, man, me, man, you, woman, I drag you. There's none of that. It's not weaker. It is an honored position in the home uh, that God has ordained. And to be honest with you, if we as men ever dishonor our wives, man, we can't have our prayers answered. We cannot be in the right place with God. You, you know, it affects us spiritually. Why? Because this is what God has said. You know, honor your wife as the weaker vessel, as an honored person, as something special, something to protect. Truth is, I think if someone came to attack Lisa, she might be able to belt them a good one. You know, we do the boxing thing in the house too. I don't even want to box with her. But my job is to protect her because she's my honored vessel. The other thing in that verse is heirs together of the grace of life. We both are believers in the Lord. We are both heirs together. There's an idea to me of that, of that leading and in, in positionally together in unity and purpose and direction. How could I ever want to hurt that? Okay? So these are just some principal verses in how we are to treat our wife, our spouse, in the Word of God. 
And then 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, look at that verse. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. It's very, very much similar to the one... Oh, I just told... You're already there, aren't you? One Peter, skip that. I meant Psalm 55, 20. What I did is I wrote it down twice in my notes. Okay? So Psalm 55.20. So what we have here is, you know, we are to love them, not to show violence. We are to honor them. We are to not be bitter against them. We are to live with them according to knowledge. We are to give honor again to them. We are, they are a, a, a special uh, uh, honored person in our life. We are heirs together. We are joint together in, the, in, the, in this relationship. And then... It says in Psalms, in another Old Testament verse about treatment, He hath put forth His hands against such as be at peace with Him has broken His covenant. Think about that for a moment. Turn to it. Psalm 55.20 if you're not there. And you can read it in context later. But, but, but does it talk specifically about wives? It talks about a relationship here. He that puts forth his hands against those who are at peace with him, he has broken his covenant. You make an agreement of peace. Jeff, you and I are not going to have war. You're an Ohio State fan. You don't like what? Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan. All right? But let's make an agreement. Let's make an agreement that we will be at peace. Then all of a sudden I said, well, I've already done that to get at him. And then I come around and I steal his Ohio State pennant and burn it. Well, I've broken my covenant with him. And there are, there are consequences to that broken covenant. Beloved, listen, listen, Christian. There's no greater covenant apart from salvation because that is a covenant with God. There's no greater covenant than the covenant of marriage. Okay? So, what is this idea of abuse? The church, number one, should be a place of safety. The church should never cover up abuse. The church, whether it's a deacon, a pastor, a Sunday school worker, a choir, it doesn't matter. The church in history, in recent history, has, has been scandalized by cover-ups, right? You, you know what? We don't want the world to know that Something bad has happened, so we just kind of sweep it under the carpet and hope it goes away. But whenever that happens, what happens? It always blows up and becomes worse. Alright, it does. So the church should always be a place of safety when it comes to an abusive situation. We should open arms, allow people to come in and, and love them and help them and, and protect them and try to figure out the best way to you know, bring this relationship around where it's not abusive, but first and foremost, to keep the safety of that individual. And again, the church should never hide sin, ever. So, in this abusive situation, we know that the Bible teaches that we are to honor and to respect and to not break our covenant. We are to take care of our spouse, especially the husband, toward the wife, but have do you know how to pick up on abuse? Because I, you need to be open-minded about this. There's a lot of abuse going around. You know, 
I've told you many times, I grew up in a, in a home where it was nothing but abuse. I'd come home and mom would be locked up in the bedroom and has torn her clothes, just rips her clothes because of the way my dad would treat her and, and hurt her. I'd come home from school, sometimes my mom wouldn't be there. And I learned later as I grew, grew up and got a little bit older that when my neighbor or my aunt would come and say, well, your mom's in hospital, it means he tried to kill herself again. I understand abuse, folks. I don't have any part of it. And there is no way that we should ever allow it to go on. And we understand that. That's not the question. But a lot of times what you have to do is you have to watch the dynamics in a couple where abuse might be taken on. You know, is the husband quick? Or even the wife, are they quick to la uh, lash out in anger? Or are they quick to be uh, physical? Uh, is the other person dependent on the other person for everything? In other words, you know, um, does the spouse always need to ask permission to do something? Now that doesn't necessarily mean there's abuse going on there, but when there's a heavily controlled situation, you just need to be aware now, don't go around today looking for a controlled situations. Say, oh, abuse. Careful. Be, be wise. What, what's the Bible say? Wise as serpents, but actions like a dove. You know, sensitivity or, or compassion like a dove. Easy, you know, be careful. You know, is there, are there always excessive apologies by this person? towards their spouse. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. My mom was like that. And you know, she'd go to my dad and say, oh, oh, forget, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and cover her head. And I'm not trying to make you upset by with my stories, but, but just to give you an illustration, I understand this stuff, and, 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 and it, it's destructive, and it's horrible, and I don't ever want anybody to do, go through that. And the church should be understanding of these situations and open so if anybody within that church is in that situation they can come to the church and know that there's a compassionate ear amen and that there's an open uh, door and there's a place where they can go for safety and help but also we need to be aware of those who might be coming in in any kind of situation like that but Quickly, what does the Bible say about divorce? Does it give permission for the abused person to be divorced? We know that, number one, immorality. Number two, desertion. Paul talks about, because Jesus talks about immorality in, in, in the cause of divorce. Paul also goes on to talk about desertion. You know, if they leave you, could you get a divorce? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. Look at our text. But if the un unbelieving depart let him depart a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases but god has called us to peace if you're if they're married and in the in the in the spouse is unbelieving and they just decide to i don't want to be married with you then depart go if the unbelieving depart let him depart this is called in theological terms this is not what I make up, but this is called in theological terms something that is known as the Pauline privilege. And the Pauline privilege, according to this concept, Paul taught that if an unbelieving spouse leaves a believer, the believer is not bound to the marriage relationship, but is free to remarry. That's the desertion aspect. Okay? 
that they are free to remarry. But there is something else that is under the umbrella of the Pauline privilege of desertion, and it's called constructive desertion. Okay? Again, it's a theological term, and it's based on 1 Corinthians 7.15 that we've just read, and it it covers the idea of abuse. It would be when a husband or even a wife so brutalizes their spouse that it is impossible to live with him any longer. And when a spouse is so harassed or brutalized that it becomes impossible for them to stay. Because of that, theologians have come up with this concept of constructive desertion. And and so they say, if that happens, then that spouse is free to leave. But the question is this, could that can someone have a divorce simply over abuse? I am of the opinion that the Bible isn't specifically specific. And you have to come up again with what you see in the Word of God and what you think allows you that liberty. Personally, from Scripture, I think it would be yes. So if someone came to me and we've worked at it and we've worked to restore the relationship, especially if it was two believers and the abuse was coming from a believer that we tried to restore it and tried to restore it, keeping that person safe, keeping the children safe, and we've done everything that we could, but that spouse continues to beat and to harass and endanger the life of the other spouse. I believe that that divorce would be the safest way to preserve the life of that family. That's my opinion. I give that to you because as your pastor, that might come up at some point in time here as I ministered to the church. Some of you might have a different opinion. That's fine. I don't think any of us would disagree that we need to keep the people safe, right? Right? We would need to keep the people safe. We would need to protect but I also know that sometimes people do not listen to God's counsel. People do not listen to the counsel of godly people and they continue on in the wrong thing. And we need to help them the best that we can. So this is how I would counsel someone who comes to me trying everything else that that person is still being abused and their life or the lives of their children in danger. I would counsel them to separate that marriage. My only caution now at this point would be, would I remarry them? And do I think that they could be remarried? Because Paul also talks about having a separation, leaving, but not being remarried in 1 Corinthians 7. And I'll just have to be honest with you, I don't know yet. I just don't know yet. There's some things in Scripture that are just simply not absolutely clear-cut. Clear-cut may be in our conscience. Clear-cut may be in our opinion. But, but I, I constantly am asking myself this. Can I solidly hold opinion or belief to Scripture? Because if I can't, then I have to be willing to say that I can't. And I'm just not sure 100% 
that if in this case of, of abuse, are they absolutely free to remarry? I lean towards that, but I have to tell you I'm not 100% convinced of it as, as yet. And again, I, I would take every, every situation individually, prayerfully, and consider it. One example, and then we'll go because time is over. Um, I, I'm all the time, again, I get asked to do, to, 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 to do weddings. And I have been asked at times to marry, to marry divorced couples. And my answer is, I have to take each one individually and sit down with each couple and, and see whether or not I can. And here's how I would marry a divorced couple. If the person that was divorced, if there was only one divorced or whatever, if the person that was divorced, if they were divorced by means where it was not, you know, their sexual immorality or their cause to divorce of their sin. Does that make sense? Do you understand? They were not the ones to have an affair and go out and cheat on their spouse and therefore cause the divorce. And if that was the case and they did, I would not remarry them, but I would, I would go to their wedding and I would encourage them and I would help them and I would support them and I would love them and I would do everything in my power to help them in their, in their marriage relationship. I just don't think I would do the wedding. Okay? Because they were the cause of the divorce in the first place. But if someone came and said, you know, we're the innocent parties, they didn't cause the divorce, and they are divorced, I would certainly remarry them. Because I, I just... My personal conviction, and again, this might differ with some here. My personal conviction is if they didn't cause it by their outward sin, I want to help them restore their relationships and I, I want to help them can, carry on for the Lord. And you know what? I don't think that even though they've already paid the price for someone else's sin, that we should continue to inflict the payment of price for sin. Does that make, does that make sense to you all? So, maybe I've helped answer the question, maybe I haven't. But these are really, really difficult questions at times. But I want to end with this. I know we're late, but I want to end with this. And we have a residential home, I know. Here's the most important thing. Not how do we get a divorce. But the very first question that needs to be undertaken is, should I marry this individual? You know, the Bible says that when a man leaves his father and mother, they will cleave unto his wife and they will become one flesh. The first thing is we should never, ever go into marriage half-cocked, half-baked, as we would say back home in America. Does that make any sense, translation-wise? Number one, utmost prayer and counseling should, should happen before you even consider marrying an individual. Before saying, I do. The marriage council should happen when do we think we should marry. Truth is, let's begin where it ought to begin. Folks, don't even date an unsafe person. Because then, if, if you do, you're opening up yourself to a position where you could get to where you're going to marry the wrong person. And you shouldn't marry an unsafe person. Amen? I know that I don't get a lot for that. 
but amen, my deacon. Don't marry an unsaved person. Don't date. Don't date an unsaved person. Be careful when you go on to um, ChristianDating.com because not all Christians are Christians. And be careful. So utmost prayer and counseling should go into whom you even date, whom you should marry. Utmost work always in the marriage. If you honestly think that marriage will not be difficult, don't get married because you're blind. Okay? You're blind. Work at it. Work at it. Work at it. Grow in it. Work. You know what? Marriage and work should two synonymous words. Okay? And you need to work at it. And divorce, just remember, is breaking a covenant with your spouse and with the Lord. And that, that, is, that is the absolute last resort. And we should never be thinking, could we get a divorce for this? Or could we get a divorce for this? We should always be thinking, don't get a divorce. And keep that marriage going. So I hope that helps you. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions. We can talk.